Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolmus and Brandon Lee Gallup? Welcome into BGN Radio. This is episode 73, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, filling in for John Stolmus today. I'm Michael Kist. And joining me today, as always, for these training camp updates, the man, the myth, the legend, the supreme leader of Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG, how you doing, brother? Mike, uh, we're going to have a fight. Yeah, that's apparently the theme of today because there was, there was some scrapping at practice today. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we should start with that, probably. That's the big news. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. It is practice. Um, so besides the fight that Mike and I are going to have um, on air, possibly, <laughs> depending how things go later in the show. So wait, wait, wait you were going to fight me over something specific or you just, you're just in a chippy mood based on the practice you just saw? Uh, both. both. Uh, there's something specific, <laughs> um, potentially, that could come up. Um, and then okay. obviously I just, you know, I'm just, this is day 14 of training camp, Mike. I'm just, I'm getting frustrated. <laughs> you know, the pads have been on for a while. The the frustration is boiling over and that's really what happened. I'm guessing with Andre Dillard today, he kind of got into something a little, I guess he was a little too physical during a drill that actually involved Jonathan Cyprian at one point and nothing, mm. you know, like came out of that. Ultimately, I think, I think Cyprian kind of had to be held back, but it wasn't like, you know, they got to blows or anything. But then Derek Barnett changed that quickly when they were doing a red zone drill. And I think Carson went through to Alex Ellis on the play. And so I went, you know, I, I looked down to write my notes about that. And all of a sudden I look up and I see this big scrum on the field close to the sideline where fans and media were able to watch. And there was just a bunch of bodies in a big pile up on the ground, couldn't even really see who was going at who. There, there was a lot of action there going on. And it turns out after you know the huddle kind of broke, and you can kind of tell who was getting pulled aside afterwards. It was Andre Dillard, the rookie, and Derek Barnett. So Andre Dillard isn't known as much of like a chippy type of guy, which is interesting. Like he wasn't a nasty finisher type either in college, but it looks like either they got under his skin or he got under their skin. Uh, the couple of defenders on the Eagles there being Cyprian, who could, I, I can imagine Cyprian is a chippy too, just like based on tape. You see like the, the after play and you see guys, you know, their heads bobbing and whatnot, their point and whatnot. Sippy Cup seems like a chirpy dude. Barnett, not so much. So I, I'm interested that Dillard was brought to that level. And then apparently he had a talk, was it with Doug and Howie after the practice that Dillard w- was still kind of like running a little hot and they had to kind of like talk him down? Yeah, even uh, right after the fight kind of happened, Jason Kelsey, who had a rest day today, veteran rest day, uh, went up to, to Andre Dillard and I guess tried to kind of like cool him down a little bit or or give him some perspective and i know jason peters talked after practice too and kind of talked about how like you know his his lesson for the guys would be like just leave it on the field you know don't bring it into the locker room just you know what happened out in the field uh leave it out there 
I kind of like it, Mike. I, I like I like to see that mean streak <laughs> from Andre Dillard. And for as much as he doesn't get known as that kind of guy, like you said, he's not like uh, even his playing style. I guess is what a lot of people would call finesse, right? Like people would right. use that description, and they would also say, or at least I would say, from being around him, like he's he's a soft spoken guy. You know, he's not like Lane Johnson. Like he's not. It's different. You know, the personality is different <laughs> there. But I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this profile here from Shul Kapadia, friend of the podcast, of course, uh, at the Athletic. You know, and a hat to, to other friend of the podcast, Noah Becker, for pointing this out. You know, uh, she'll did this profile on Andre Dillard, and there's a line in there about how, like, every once in a while, somebody would get under his skin and he'd get fired up. Mm. Whoever was saying this, the coach said he would feel bad for the, the guys going up against Dillard because, like, Dillard would just start tossing those guys around. So I feel like I can relate to that, Mike. I feel like I'm a pretty soft spoken person a lot of the times myself, uh, pretty calm pretty even demeanor a lot of the time but like when sure. you you know like when you you get to that breaking point and you kind of just like yeah. you know it's like i hulked out basically and i so basically andre dillard and i and the hulk are all the same person <laughs> where like you just you don't want to make us mad because once we get to that we're just out of control the eagles need to do something with dillard that i remember the jaguars doing with john henderson their big defensive uh lineman there their interior defensive lineman there in jacksonville before the game he would have like an equipment manager or somebody like that oh yeah just slap the, the crap out of him before the game and it would like get him ready to go so we we need somebody to do that for dillard if he struggles like being that like finesse type guy and we call him finesse because like he moves really well yeah, that's not a put down to be clear yeah he's got sweet feet and everything like that but it's good to see that he can be a mauler when it comes down to and it's interesting to see i like if you were to ask me like who who's gonna get in a fight today like dillard would probably be on the like the last of my list because of that demeanor that he has that i've heard throughout the, all, all the whole draft process hearing him speak and everything like that so that that's fun i heard barnett came over and gave him a bro hug after the practice so they're gonna make up and they'll probably be better friends after the fact for it so interesting stuff going down at the practice today at novacare and let, let's get let's dial back here let, let's go to some uh, roster news before we get too far in the weeds here let's do some house cleaning the shelton gibson experiment seems to be over in Philadelphia as he was waived with an injured designation. Our thoughts have been that Gibson was not going to make this roster regardless, so this comes as no surprise. The injury designation is for a right foot injury suffered on August 5th, so exactly a week ago, at least that's what I'm assuming. I'm just connecting the dots there. Uh, looking at his time here, Gibson was drafted to be the Eagles field stretcher, but that trump card from college never translated, and the weaker points in his game of which there are many, were never improved upon. This morning, I went back to my pre-draft evaluation of Gibson. I had him as a fifth-round grade, which is where he was drafted, so no great there. I comped him to TJ Graham, who was a third-round pick that only lasted four years in the league. And here's what I said in my summary statement of Gibson. Quote, teams needing immediate deep speed from their wide receiver four should take a flyer on Gibson in day three, but anything more is pure projection. Could be a playmaker if he's able to develop nuance in his route running, but his concerns against contact and diminishing returns as the field becomes more compressed point to a very specific limited role unquote so filling his roster spot is another shelton cornerback sojourn shelton i hope i'm saying that correctly he was a udfa cornerback back in 2017 hasn't stuck anywhere he's 5'9 177 and his name sojourn literally means 
a temporary stay. Uh, <laughs> along with that signing, they brought in a wide receiver for a visit. BLG, thoughts on the Gibby release and the visit from Bruce Ellington and anything else contained therein? Yeah, so Gibson is the second 2017 Eagles draft class member who is no longer on the team. Eliza Qualls, who recently signed with the Ravens, by the way, and will be back in Philly mm-hmm. next week for the joint chain camp practices uh, as the second guy. And obviously, Donald Pumphrey has been cut before, and he will most likely be cut again very soon. Um, so I kind of just look at it in that context of like this is the end of that 2017 draft class starting to kind of fall apart which isn't you know crazy or unexpected those things happen uh those late round picks with gibson you know it's kind of crazy to me how much like he seemed to flash last preseason like he was making plays um and maybe everything wasn't perfect and obviously you thought that mike upon a closer view but still like he was he i think he led the team in receiving last preseason like he was he was making plays he showed that he had some speed And, you know, for an Eagles offense that sorely lacked that element last year, they were down to using Kamar Aiken and Marcus Wheaton at one point, and even putting Josh Perkins, a tight end, yep. at wide receiver. The fact that Gibson couldn't get on the field in that situation where, like, there was no one in front of him, like, that was pretty damning, I thought. Like, the fact, like, that was pretty, that's a bad sign for Shelton Gibson. Yeah. I don't think it was, and, like, you know, I, I think that's not just a thing where the coaching staff is just being stubborn. Like, they just clearly did not trust him at all. And it was frustrating because his one catch that he did have last year, I think, went for, like, 48 yards. So, mm. even if you can't trust him, like, I still wanted him out there just because at least he could do something. And, like, Kamar Aiken is giving you, like, nothing. Like, like okay, you can trust him out there, but he was terrible. Um, um, and he certainly can't do that. So uh, kind of unfortunate for Gibson. Obviously now being waived slash injured, he will be subject to waivers. And we'll see if anyone claims him. You know, maybe maybe Joe Douglas does with the Jets. Who knows? And if not, he'll revert to the Eagles injured reserve list. So he will go on IR if he passes through waivers. I would assume from there the Eagles might, you know, reach an injury settlement with him. It should be noted that you can't ever actually cut an injured player. You have to um, right. come to a settlement with them, you know, to cut them. Just, you know, tough luck for Gibson. If he stayed healthy, he could have potentially competed for, you know, a six receiver spot if the Eagles are going to keep that many. But now it looks like it's going to be either Mark and Michelle or Charles Johnson or Greg Ward or less likely Carlton Agudosi fighting for one of those spots mm-hmm. again if the Eagles even keep that many. So that's the only real thoughts I have on that. Are you are you excited about Bruce Ellington possibly coming to town? Do you think they sign him? Uh, I guess not. You know, I guess they would have signed him, right? Especially like, you know, they they opened the roster spot with getting rid of Gibson. I don't know, man. They 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 brought in Cyprian two months ago and here we are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I mean like it's just kind of funny to me yeah. that they, they opened the roster spot by cutting Gibson and then they fill it with a cornerback instead. And then, mm. then the news comes out that they worked out Ellington. You know, I, I guess, if, you know, they really wanted Ellington. They just wouldn't have let him left Philly. So I guess that isn't going to happen. Even if it does, it's clearly just a camp body. Yep. That's what it is with Sojourn, Shelton, uh, real tongue twister there. She sells seashells yeah. by the seashore. Um, Shelton <laughs> sells seashores by the seashore. Okay. So, um, yeah, I got it. Uh, yeah. So I, I, it's just a camp body thing. You know, we've seen this with the team doing a bunch of these moves, like bringing in Alex Ellis, bringing in a Jane Harris and, you know, all these guys who are kind of just filling up some reps. Oh, and, and uh, Eli Harold, you know, and making that trade. So th- those kind of things. Yeah. Eli Harold being brought in on the trade, which is interesting too. And a lot of these guys just, just aren't going to make it, man. But moving on to the two practices that have gone down in the past two days, I think the first order of business should be some injury updates since we're doing house cleaning here. What's up with guys like Rodney McLeod, 
Deshaun Hall, who, who picked up a knock in the, in the uh, first preseason game. I think Vinnie Curry had like some sort of sickness. Blank Countess is another one. What, what's the injury report looking like for the Eagles today? Yeah, so let's look at some of the more uh, significant ones, I would say. You know, it's it's good that Derek Barnett returned to practice, and he's yep. been practicing. That happened this within this practice stretch after the first preseason game. Uh, Ronald Darby is doing seven-on-seven. Seven. That's good to see. You know, he's kind of ramping up a little bit. You know, Rodney McLeod continues to do 11-on-11, although he had a veteran rest day today. He got rolled up on a little bit at the end of Sunday, mm-hmm. which was, like, a little bit concerning. He didn't, like like need the help of trainers to get off the field, but he walked off a little slow and then he got off today, but he said he'll be back on Tuesday. So we'll see if that's the case. You have, who else do you have? You, you know, Brandon Brooks is still doing install really only isn't in your, your team drills just yet. Um, there's a, there's a whole lot of these injuries. Uh, Nate Sudfeld, you know, we, we, I think we talked about that. I talked about that with Ben. He's going to be out probably for six weeks. Uh, Goddard and Lane Johnson, they're out for the entire rest of the preseason, but it's not expected that they're going to miss any regular season time. Blake Countess, yeah, that one doesn't sound good. Um, that's that's multiple weeks, and that's a little bit significant in the sense of like he was starting at safety against the Titans. You know, he was mm. opposite of Sandejo, so I don't know if he goes on IR, or if they just don't keep him, and it, or it gets an injury settlement situation or what. Matt Collins. Uh, is alive and doing 11 on 11 so that's good to see i i think he's still gonna make this roster uh, especially that he's healthy now can i get you to make a prediction before you continue on your list there does mac hollins play in this preseason game upcoming this week i think there's a chance uh the fact that he's Mm -hmm. been on 11 on 11 that seems like a good sign to me that he would be i mean maybe they if Maybe they keep him out and be extra cautious, but I would think uh, he would be if he if he's you know doing eleven on eleven like he is. So and I hope he does, Mike, because I, I want to. Yeah. I would love to see something from Matt Collins. It's been anything. It's been so even if it's like a special teams play. Like I'd love to see that. Like right. let's just see him do something. I still like Matt Collins, so hopefully he gets out there and looks good. Uh, Deshaun Hall. Yeah who, you know, had that great game in the Titans game. Mm-hmm. He is still day-to-day. He's He hasn't practiced yet. Hopefully, for his sake, he gets back. Uh, I'm guessing he won't play, you know, assuming, you know, considering he's missed some time here. So he's going to miss at one, least one preseason game, I think. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway is coming back from a concussion still. And again, a bummer for him because he was showing some stuff in that first preseason game, as you and Ben were talking about. So uh, we'll right. see when he gets back from his concussion. Then you have the guys like, you know, Fletcher Cox and Nigel Bradham still who aren't doing too much. You know, Jalen Mills still on the pup list. Kamu, I saw him walk out to the practice the other day with a knee brace on his left leg. Uh, so he's making his way back. Richard Rodgers is still out. Uh, Boston Scott, Paul Warlow, and DeAndre Tompkins, a, a power trio right there. They are back at practice. So huge news there. Very nice. Okay, so it has been over 13 minutes, over 14 minutes now since we have talked about Carson Wentz. We haven't mentioned him once yet. Let's rectify that and let's get to some observations on his last uh, couple of days. And from where I'm sitting, which again, I'm a dude that does this from his desk at home and just kind of follows along the reports and gets what clips that he can. But I think the consensus was that he had a down day on Sunday littered with some overthrows, which we've talked about before throughout this process. There was still some good to notably his growing connection with Al Sean Jeffrey, which again, good to see as we talked about their chemistry a lot this offseason. Was today a bounce back day, BLG, or is Wentz in a bit of a mini funk at the moment? It's sort of a bounce back. It's hard to count fully because it's a 10 10 10 day. And obviously, some of these drills are set up for like the offense to have more success because they're running a certain look against the defense and vice versa. So, you know, it's hard to like fully evaluate. But I did see some good touch throws from Carson Wentz today. He had a really good throw to Deshaun about 25 yards down the field on the right sideline where he just perfectly split the safety and the corner. 
put it only in a spot where Deshaun could get it. He's done that a couple times now throughout training camp. I, I really like to see that. Like that's pretty encouraging. As for his struggles, which kind of happened even on Saturday and Sunday, you're just seeing some of those overthrows still. Like the timing isn't right or the accuracy, like the touch on the ball isn't perfect. Mm. It's a little concerning, you know, because you just you want to get that ironed out. He's had a couple of interceptions as well. I don't think any of them have been like drastically bad decisions. One was a tip ball. A couple were tip balls, actually. But still, you just, you know, you want to see some of that stuff cleaned up. I think overall, you know, the takeaway, if you're looking at the thousand foot view, which you should, or 10,000 foot view, whatever the saying is. Be far away or be as tall as BLG and it's basically the same thing. Take my view of it. And I think he's looked good, you know, overall. I don't think it's a a training camp. And and I don't know how much it matters because, you know, I always talk about how like Nick Foles looked terrible last year. And yeah, camp. then he didn't even play that great in the beginning of the season, but then he started playing well at the end of the season. So I don't know how much it all means. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what anything means with Nick Foles. To be honest yeah. with you, it's <laughs> it's, it's so and it's hard to tell. But but even not just Foles too, with um just yeah. practice in general. Like again, mm-hmm. I talk. We were talking about earlier. Or I was talking about earlier about how Shelton Gibson, you know, looked like he was making progress last year, and that didn't mean anything when the regular season yeah. rolled around. So. It's hard to always know what to make of things, but I still feel like on the whole, like I feel like nothing has discouraged me about Carson Wentz, you know, from this training camp. I don't look at this training camp and be like, oh, I feel worse about him. No, I feel pretty much about the same as I would have going into camp. I'm not too worried about him coming into the season. And when we come back here on BGN Radio, we're going to be talking about more quarterbacks because the situation here in Philadelphia since the Sudfeld news has been not too great, but there is some encouraging news on that front as we touched on before. But we're going to get into the details about that when we come back. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on BGN Radio, episode 73, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Brandon Lee Gowton, who is there live at the Novacare Complex, covering the last couple of days of Eagles training camp. We were just talking quarterbacks. Let's keep it with the quarterbacks. The Eagles have yet to make a move, probably because the word is Sudfeld will only miss about two or three regular season games. And BLG, I was reading through Jimmy Kemsky's mailbag on Philly Voice today, and he mentioned that he had a debate with you and Mike K of NJ.com about this whole quarterback backup situation regarding Kessler as the backup and, and what, what's Thorson's role. Can we get a little peek behind the curtain on what that was all about? Yeah, so this started with Mike and I, you know, obviously BGN alumnus Mike K. <laughs> former BGN and BGN Radio alumnus. Um, So obviously, Mike and I have known each other for years now. So basically, uh, you know, we were talking about Cody Kessler, which is 
really tells you where we are at training camp and in our lives <laughs> where we're actually having a too long conversation about Cody Kessler. And my yeah. thing is that I feel, and I think I said this with Ben on the podcast that I did with him, is that like I just don't love the idea of the Eagles just being like, all right, Cody Kessler, this is definitely your job. I know Sudfeld might only be out for three weeks or two weeks, whatever it is. I know he might return as soon as week three, although as I talked about with Ben, depending on how that works out, I feel like it could be potentially as late as week five, depending on that. Are we saying that we don't trust the Eagles' time frames mm-hmm. when it comes to injuries? Uh, shocker. I know. Hard to believe that that's possible. <laughs> yeah. But Mike, I, I would like you to consider it's true uh, just for once. <laughs> Uh, I'm with you. Uh, so, yeah. So, I just, my whole thing is that I just feel like it wouldn't hurt to bring in another veteran like a Brock Osweiler. That's not my preference. It would have been Josh Johnson. He was signed. So, you know, that's kind of moot now. But um, mm. I just, I thought it would make sense for the Eagles to sign a veteran kind of to compete with Kessler. Mm. And I'm not saying you automatically keep that Josh Johnson or Osweiler on the roster. And I get the fact that Kessler is appealing too because he's not a vested veteran. So, if you keep him on the week one roster, this higher salary for 2019 isn't guaranteed which right. fits the Eagles situation well because then they can just cut him whenever Sudfeld is healthy and then they'll have Wentz and Sudfeld as their two quarterbacks on the roster and presumably you would have Clayton Thorson on the practice squad or if you wanted to bring him up to the 53 which I would hope they would not use a roster spot on him but if you did for some reason they could do that so I yeah. get that and like I'm not like driving like oh we need to cut Cody Kessler now I just like I don't think I know for sure that he's like this like he's he should just be the un, like my issue I guess where I was frustrated is like if he looks as bad as he did in the Titans game for the rest of the preseason like I don't mm. think you just hand him the backup spot behind Wentz like regardless I just I don't agree with that. So what was Kemsky saying and go ahead and misrepresent what he was saying and and say things out of context like directly quoting him. You can slander him as much as you like. He can't defend himself. He's not here. That is true. Uh so Jimmy <laughs> was saying that um you know he he really thought the Cowboys are really good and uh they're his favorite <laughs> now. Um, so I was just disagreeing with that. No, that led to the whole conversation about quarterbacks. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's an interesting non sequitur. <laughs> it is. It's, it's hard to believe. Right. Um, so no, uh, obviously I, I think Jimmy was just like, he thought I was silly for suggesting Johnson because of how bad he looked against the Eagles. And I get it, but like literally the whole Washington team just quit in that game. So yeah, anyway, this is all like not super important. I just, I think Mike is, I think the debate between me and Mike was like, I think he's a little bit more bullish on Cody Kessler than I am. Like, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Well, he's a ja- he's a Jaguars beat guy. So he, he kind of got fond of him, I guess. Yeah. He has the, uh, he has the background. And I guess he, he just feels like he can get you through a couple games. And I don't, I just don't know if I'm so sure about that. Yeah. I mean, we talked about, you know, Kessler went 500, but they also averaged 10.4 points per game when he played meaningful time with the Jaguars. So like QB wins aren't everything when it comes to that. Uh, I think, I think the whole situation has been overblown by pretty much everybody, including us. So we might as well move on from that. Hopefully Sudfeld is back in that injury timetable is correct as the Eagles are reporting yet. Uh, what, what what else went down in practice today? Because I saw there was there was a guy Keegan Render who, by the way, I had no idea who he was until like a couple of days ago. But Keegan Render, an undrafted guy, was he a center or something like that? What, what did he do that stood out today in practice? Yeah, so Keegan Render actually caught a touchdown pass, Mike. Now I know you're wondering how did that happen because he is an undrafted rookie free agent center. Yeah, but sure enough. Like and I didn't even realize he was lining up as tackle eligible because how would I? How would I be paying that? Close? How would anyone being that close attention to Keegan Render, who I believe yeah. the Eagles gave like the either the second or the the lowest 
the actual lowest amount of guaranteed money to out of all their undrafted rookie free agent signings. Um, but mm. sure enough, for some reason, he was lining up as tackle eligible and he caught a touchdown pass and no one was covering him. So I think the Eagles knew edge in terms of, you know, being this analytics, you know, trick play, aggressive kind of team is taking someone that literally no one knows, even the defense, like who that guy is, and putting them out there on the field and making them tackle eligible and then throwing to them. Because, like, don't oversimplify it. Like, the defensive coordinator isn't going to know who that guy is. No one knows who that No one in the stadium knows who that guy is. So you just yeah. throw it to the guy that no one knows who they even are, and you score a touchdown every time, flawless. Keegan Render, a market inefficiency. My column coming up on <laughs> bleedinggreennation.com. Uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on here, I think the, the, the talk around Timmy Jernigan and Malik Jackson, you know, those interior defense alignment for the Eagles has been kind of quiet. And we talked about, you know, the standout performances from the rest of the defensive line in that first preseason, preseason game. But I mean, ultimately, getting Jernigan back to health, him being 100%, and then also having Malik Jackson with his ability as a pass rusher, that could be massive for this defensive line moving forward, especially with the depth behind him. Like this could be a really fearsome unit down the teeth of the defense. How are Jernigan and Malik doing in camp so far to this point? Yeah, I haven't noticed a ton from Malik Jackson in practice. Either way, like not good or bad, which I don't think is crazy, you know, for a veteran like that. Um, I think those guys know how to get themselves through camp. You know, he's not going to be like this try hard guy. He's not like a young player trying to break through. Like he has his role pretty set. Like I think he knows uh, what he needs to do just to get through camp healthy and to uh, be ready for the season. But, you know, I did like Malik. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, Mike, in the preseason game. He had a good pressure early in the game. And uh, Frame Duffy highlighted that a second away or like a finger away, fingers length yeah. away, maybe from like strip sacking Mariota on like that first drive mm-hmm. there. Um, I remember seeing that live too. I remember him just like getting some real good pressure up the middle. So that is more encouraging to me really than anything I guess I could see in training camp from Malik Jackson. Mm-hmm. He has had a couple of batted passes, which kind of speaks to he's a taller guy. He's like 6'5". He does have that length too. So he, he can kind of be disruptive in that way. That's probably the most I've seen from him. But Timmy, man, boy, like I'm excited for Timmy Jernigan this year. And you should be excited, <laughs> listeners, Mike, everyone. Like he looks back in 2017 form to me, like when he was good in 2017. He looks healthy. Yeah. He looks disruptive. He's making plays. He's exploding into the backfield. He's shutting down the run. He's generating pass rush as well. I think this Eagles defensive tackle group, Mike, like for as much as we have some kind of concerns or just the unsettled position of the Eagles defensive end depth, and we don't know exactly if they're going to be as good or there's a drop off with you know losing Chris Long and Michael Bennett. Like, I'd have so much confidence in that interior offensive line. And that's amazing to think about because a year ago at this spot, I mean, you know, Haloti Nada was like your second best tackle. And now all of a sudden, Fletcher Cox isn't even out in the field yet. And I'm assuming, you know, he'll be back and he'll be ready. But even if he's not, like, it, the Eagles can get by for at least a little bit, I feel like, because Malik Jackson is someone who has proven himself to be disruptive. Timmy Jernigan, same thing. You have Trayvon Hester, I believe, playing well, as he did last year, as like a, a fourth or fifth defensive tackle. Ridgeway was looking good in the preseason game before he got hurt. Uh, even Bruce Hector, you know, who was on the practice squad and on the roster yeah. at times last year, like he's he's had some good plays too. So they are stacked at this position. I wouldn't be surprised if like Hector or someone got traded because they have so many guys at this position. And it's such a, again, a stark contrast from where they were this time last year, where, or especially in the season where they're, they're like claiming T.Y. McGill and trying to find like <laughs> anyone they can to, to play defensive tackle. I think yeah. between all these guys, like they're going to create a ton of interior disruption this year. 
And that's awesome to think about. Like I, for as much as I love a good edge rush, I love the idea of thinking about a quarterback just like immediately getting like the pocket pushed back in on him or like someone being immediately in his face. Cause like, what are you going to do about that? You know, that's, mm. you can, sometimes you can step around like an edge rush, not as easy to do. I feel like when you just have like an interior rusher suddenly, you know, um, you know, like barreling down on you. And then if you are going to step out, Brandon Graham or Derek Barnett or whoever, or Vinnie Curry or Josh Sweat or Deshaun Hall or whoever is going to be out there to kind of like clean things up. So I feel really excited about that unit. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of what we talked about, me and Ben, in our Eye on the Enemy series on the Rams. We were looking at the defensive depth, and you know, you look at Aaron Donald, who's just an all-world alien, and Fletcher Cox is the only one that's even like close to him for an interior defensive lineman. And we were asking, what happens if Donald goes down? What happens? Can they survive that? Can they survive a major injury to any level of their defense, and especially Donald? Can they be without him for a few weeks and still generate pass rush? And I think the answer with the Rams is no, but I think the answer with the Eagles is a little bit more encouraging, especially if Jernigan is 100% and Malik just kind of stays who he's been, you know, the last few years in the league, which is a very good pass rusher. We've, we've said, you know, concerns about him in the run game, but at the same time, he can still get after the passers. So the Eagles should be fine right down the teeth of that defense when it comes to getting to the quarterback, which is encouraging. BLG, any other notes from camp or anything else going on with the Eagles that I may have missed before we, uh, before we hit the old dusty trail? Well, we are wrapping up here, Mike, in terms of training camp um, today was a 10-10-10 day, and then they'll have another practice on Tuesday. That'll be their last one before their second preseason game before they go down to Jacksonville to see potentially Nick Foles. Uh, we don't know for sure if we'll be playing. We also don't know for sure if Carson Wentz or the starters will be playing. That's kind of yeah. been a, a big thing here, Mike, in, in terms of talking about um, Eagles strategy. Like they And Doug Peterson literally said on was it Saturday or whenever he talked that part of the reason they feel like they don't need to get Miles Sanders a ton of preseason action and Sanders only had like what, like three carries uh, in the first game is that Doug Peterson said like, quote unquote, like this is a game, like the practice environment for the, and the, the starters have been getting a ton of reps in practice. Like they're treating the practices like game environment and they're really not interested in playing the starters much, if at all, like, I don't even know, again, if they'll play at all. And I almost think they wouldn't, especially, you know, when you consider that, like, Lane Johnson isn't going to play in the preseason. Neither is Goddard. It's like, are you really putting Wentz out there? Because I also don't think, like, Jason Peters is going to be playing much in the preseason. And we know Brandon Brooks isn't. And are you going to put Kelsey out there for long, too? So, like, I, I don't I don't really think we're going to see the starters much, if at all. And another reason why I think the Eagles are comfortable doing that and they're not really worried about this, like, oh, the guys are going to be rusty because they didn't get any playing time in the preseason is not only the practices they're doing with themselves, but as we know, the Ravens are coming to town for joint training camp practices next Monday and Tuesday, which is cool because usually uh, this coming Saturday when the Eagles would have a training camp practice because, you know, they, they have the game Thursday. It's always an off day after the game. And then they would start practicing again on Saturday. But as of the Saturday practices, like we're not allowed to watch like we are now and take right. like we usually are for the, for the beginning of training camp. But the like the loophole around that is for next Monday and Tuesday because of the joint training camp practices, we will be able to because I think it's kind of mandated that if you have those like media are allowed to attend those and watch those in their entirety. So uh, those will be fun to watch next week. It'll kind of be like a nice change of pace in terms of the practice getting a little monotonous. Uh, yeah, because we're already at day 14 and you've kind of seen a lot there is to see. So I'm looking forward to those joint training camp practices. I'm looking forward to preseason game this week. I say that right now, but as of course, like again, <laughs> when we get to 
the third quarter or even quarter three, sooner. Yeah. yeah, and we're seeing like Clayton Thorson out there. Like, I'm going to regret saying that, um, but I can't help myself. So that's what we got coming up. I, I do like that the joint practices are with the Ravens, especially if we're not going to be playing a bunch of the offensive starters, because even though it's just practice and it's just training camp, the Ravens defense is one of the best units in the league. So you're going to have to be turned up for that one because they doggone sure are going to be. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep you updated on everything. Of course, we'll have previews for the upcoming preseason game and recap shows as well, along with everything else here at BGN Radio. So keep it locked in here. And remember, we all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles Fly. P-G-N. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.